Today, Pastor Javen shares part three from the series, In Jesus' Name. Have you ever thought if God's sovereign and works everything out the way He wills, why do we even need to pray? Pastor Javen takes us to Scripture to see that even though God is sovereign, our prayers play a part in His purposes. Take a moment now to prepare your heart for today's service. We are jumping back into our series that we have been doing. This is the third week of In Jesus' Name. You know, I've been talking to you and encouraging you along the lines of prayer. Uh, And I've also told you of how, you know, I've been so thankful to have a praying mother. In my life, I've been so thankful to have a, a praying wife. In fact, if you missed it, uh, we I did put up a conversation Jenny and I had around the importance of prayer in her life and the part that it has played in her life. We put that. That was posted on uh, YouTube this week. I encourage you, if you missed it, to go back and watch that. I believe it will be a blessing to you. It's just over seven minutes. not very long, uh, but I believe it will be a blessing to you. I'm also excited. This week, I am going to, uh, my, our plan is to sit down with Pastor Don Gowd. He was the pastor here for 25 years and uh, I'm also fortunate that he is my uncle uh, and uh, and so I have been blessed to have a legacy of prayer warriors in my family and uh, we're going to sit down and we're going to have a conversation about what prayer has meant to him in his life so I encourage you to look for that coming soon as well uh, in the next couple of weeks uh, about the importance of prayer and how that can be an encouragement to you from Pastor Don but today we're going to jump into our third week, we have said that throughout this series, we are clinging to Luke chapter 11, verse 1, where the disciples looked at Jesus and they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. You know, because they had noticed there is something different about Jesus' prayer life, the way he prays. It's just different than anything that they've known and they've been a part of. So, you know, with all the amazing things they'd seen Jesus do, they said, Jesus, this is what we want you to teach us. Teach us to pray. And then in the first week, we talked about the fact that, that prayer should be fundamental and formational in our life. It has to be more than just supplemental. It has to be more than just transactional. We said we need to get desperate for and dependent upon the Father because Jesus was dependent upon the Father. Jesus told us that apart from Him, we can do nothing. So we, we need to be desperate for and dependent upon Him. We said that we need to approach Him with bold persistence in our life. And then we said that when we do, we need to be attentive and we need to listen for His answer and trust His answer when He gives it. Last week, we talked about how when Jesus did teach them to pray, He gave them what has become known as the Lord's Prayer. And we said that the Lord's Prayer, Lord's prayer is not just a liturgy to recite. It is a, it's, it's, although that's fine to do, but it's more than that. It is a template. It is a template for our life that kind of to make sure the posture of our heart and the posture of our life is right regarding our relationship with God and regarding our relationship uh, with others. Now this week, I want us to kind of jump into the deep end a little bit, even more together. Uh, just to, so, And we're going to go through some passages of Scripture today. And, um, and so just get a notepad out or uh, something you can write these Scriptures down, because we're going to kind of go through them. Uh, but you can, you can write them down, you can go back to them later. You can even go online on our website and you can find our, uh, the notes with this message. And, and all these Scriptures will be linked to uh, in those notes as well. But uh, just to give you some Scriptures as we we jump into the deep end a little bit today. Some thoughts to, to the, some scriptures to think about uh, as we get ready to pose a question. Here's the scriptures to think about. Proverbs sixteen nine says this: "says We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps." Okay. The Message translation says says it this way: We plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. 
All right. Then we've got this. We've got Psalm 115, 2 to 3. It says, Why let the nation say, Where's their God? For our God is in the heavens and he does as he wishes. Right? Okay. And then we've got Jeremiah 10, 23. It says, I know, O Lord, that a man's life is not his own. It's not for a man to direct his steps. Again, we go back to that passage. We can make our plans, but the Lord orders our steps. Daniel chapter 5, verse 21, and when, when referencing King Nebuchadnezzar and what had happened to him, he says this, he says, Nebuchadnezzar was driven away from the people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys. He ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged, and listen to what he has to acknowledge, that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and seats over them anyone He wishes. So here's here's the question. Here's what I want us to think about. And you've probably thought this question before and wondered this before. If God is sovereign, right? If He's over all, if if, if what He desires happens, if what He says to happen will happen, then why do we even need to pray? What part, what role does prayer play in, in relation to a sovereign God, right? Is there a point to prayer. So first of all, I want to I want to encourage us that we can't really think of the will of God and the sovereignty of God uh, in in that way. Because uh, I want to show you how your prayers do play a part. But I want to share this quote with you uh, from a Princeton theologian. His name was A. A. Hodge, or is A. A. Hodge? He said this. He said, "Does God know the day you'll die? Yes. Can you do anything to change that day? No. Then why do you eat?" To live. What happens if you don't eat? You die. Then if you don't eat and die, then would that be the day that God appointed for you to die? Right? Now, I know our heads are spinning, right? But then listen to his next statement. And these are his words, okay? He says, quit asking stupid questions and just eat. <laughs> Eating is the preordained way that God has appointed for living, right? So the challenge here to us is don't belabor over these questions about God's sovereignty and the role of our prayer in His sovereignty and miss an opportunity to involve yourself with God and His purposes through prayer. Okay, so let's jump in. I want to jump into this moment of Moses' life that that illustrates prayer in the middle of God's sovereignty. Okay, this happened in the in the book of Numbers. Um, we see things like this happen throughout the Old Testament, but the, I want to go to the book of Numbers, and it's uh, Numbers chapter sixteen, and it starts in verse forty three. It says this, Moses and Aaron came and stood in front of the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, he told him this, he said, get away from all these people. This is another one of these times where, where God is, is frustrated with the sin of the people. And he says, get away from these people so that I can instantly destroy them all. But Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground. And Moses then said to Aaron, Quick, take an incense burner and place burning coals on it from the altar. Lay incense on it and carry it out among the people to purify them and make them right with the Lord. This is a symbolic prayer, okay, between uh, Aaron, Moses, 
standing between God and the people. Okay? And then he says, the Lord's anger is blazing against them. The plague has already happened. In other words, Aaron, go quick. We've got to act quick. And then Aaron did as Moses told him, and he ran out among the people. The plague had already began to strike down the people, but Aaron burned the incense and purified the people. He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague stopped. So, a few thoughts I want us to grab as we wrestle today with this thought. If God is sovereign, why do we need to pray? Let's think about some things in God's sovereignty that about God that don't change. Because the scripture shows us and tells us there are things about God and His sovereignty that do not change. God's attributes, who He is, does not change. His purposes his plans, what he, his will does not change. His promises, the things that he has promised in this life do not change. I want to show you in scripture where it says that. Who he is, let's look. Who he is, God in his being does not change. The author of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 1, 10 through 12. In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth. You made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloak and discard them like old clothing. But you are always the same. You are always the same. You will live forever. Later in chapter 3 verse 8, the author says this, says, Jesus Christ, the representative of God on this earth, God in human flesh on this earth, Jesus Christ, the representative of the Father, the when we see Him, we see the Father. The author of Hebrews said this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? He doesn't change. The Apostle James, in James chapter 1 verse 17, says this, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father, who what? Does not change like the shifting shadows. Okay? So who He, does, who, who he is does not change. And the purposes of God... They also will not change. The prophet Isaiah spoke, Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 10, he said this, For I alone am God. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. I am God and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan, everything I purpose to come to pass will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Then the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11, we see him say this, he said, He chose us in advance and He makes everything work out according to His plan. Right? Okay, so the purposes of God from the time He set them into creation until now and until the time He returns, His purposes will come to pass. Okay? He's put them in place, His plan will happen. They do not change. Also, what doesn't change, again, God's promises do not change. The words that He has spoken to us, they stand forever. Moses wrote in the book of Numbers, Numbers 23, 19, he says, God is not a man, so He does not lie. He is not human, so He does not change His mind. He, has He ever spoken and failed to act? Has He ever promised and not carried it out? He, his promises do not change. His promises do not fail. Right? Jesus told His listeners in Matthew 24, 35, He says, Heaven and earth will fade away. They will disappear. But My words will never disappear, Jesus says. 
His words will never fade. They'll never change. They'll never go away. His promises have been spoken and they've been set in stone and they are there for us to take. So, his, his, so, so we had that. Who God is never changes. His purpose is unchanging. What He says He's going to do, he, he does it. He does whatever He pleases. His promises, they, they're unchanging. They're not going to move. They're not going to go away. They're not going to fail. When He gives His word to His people, He's faithful. His word will stand forever. So we need to know that about God and His sovereignty, but we also need to know this. God's plan is unfolding. It is in the process of unfolding. If we look at this passage in Numbers, and we remember that who God is doesn't change, okay? Who who He is doesn't change. His purposes don't change. Well, who do we see God is in this passage of Scripture and in several places all throughout the Old Testament? God is a God who does not like sin. He hates sin. Okay? So when we fall prey to sin, God doesn't God does not love the sin that's in our life. So God is a God that does not like sin, but he's also a God who judges sin. That is a part of God's character. It is who God is to judge sin. So when there is sin, there is consequences for the sin. Now, we have problems with consequences a lot of times in our life. We, we don't want to accept the fact that there's consequences for our actions, but, but God says the consequences of sin is to be judged. So a part of who God is is to judge sin. So basically what we see here in this passage is a tension between who God is and the fact that He is holy and just and then a tension between that factor of who God is and the fact that God promised to Abraham a blessing through Him and in that nation. So there's this tension. God is a holy and just God. He judges sin. But God is a God who promised blessings to His people and to these people. So is God contradicting Himself? How can a holy and just God bless a people who are sinfully disobedient? How can a holy and just God bless people who are sinfully disobedient? Has God set Himself up for failure? No. God in His sovereignty has made a plan and is putting this plan into place throughout the whole and throughout what He's doing. Because it wasn't, you know, the enemy came in and he deceived Adam and Eve. They fell. Sin came into the world. God's purpose is to be in relationship with man. But he also created man with free will and with free choice because he cannot control man. He doesn't want to control man. Okay, so we're seeing all this play into the fact. But here's the answer. The answer was found in this situation and all throughout the Old Testament that God himself in his sovereignty called through a burning bush a man and told that man who his mouthpiece would be and who would walk with him and who would help him. So God in his sovereignty called Moses and told Moses Aaron would go with him and through Moses and Aaron he placed in the middle of what he knew in his sovereignty would be a situation people who could mediate on behalf of the people. You would have Moses who would go to God for the people and he would go to the people for God. This balance is working in place. So in this situation and in many other situations, we see Moses and Aaron stand before the people on behalf of God and stand before God on behalf 
of the people. And this is what is playing out. This is what's taking place. We see it in other places where God has called someone to mediate on behalf of the nation or the group of people. We see Jonah do it with the Ninevites. We see, maybe you remember Abraham doing it with Lot. When he he was told that God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham says, God, if there's 50, please show mercy. I'll show mercy if there's 50. If there's 40, if there's 30, if there's 20, if there's 10, show mercy to the ones who are there. Because what? What was God? What was Abraham doing? He was mediating and interceding on behalf of his nephew Lot, who he knew was in a place of sin and in a place that was surrounding him with sin, where he didn't need to be. He was mediating on his behalf, and Lot was rescued along with his family. And then you've got the prophets who 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 would mediate on behalf of God to the people. And he would medi- they would mediate to the people on behalf of God. God in His sovereignty calls people to stand in place as a mediator. So that's what God does. The God who judges man, when He provides a mediator, that mediator prays on behalf of the people in the midst of the situations that they're in. This is why we say that all of Scripture points to Christ. Everything we read from the beginning of this book throughout it all, it points to Jesus Christ. This is this is more you know, this is a story of God's redemption. That's what this is. It's a story of God's redemption towards man from his fall in the garden into sin. And over and over in the Old Testament we see a God of justice, a God of just wrath against sin. Appoint someone with compassionate mercy to pray on behalf of the people and to mediate on their behalf. See, this was the unfolding plan of God taking place, but this is also the gospel. Because that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. He was our mediator. Because we are all sinners and we're all destined for destruction through sin. We are prone to to this place of death. Because the wages of sin is death, is what Paul told us in the book of Romans. But God in His great mercy provided the ultimate mediator who would stand in the gap on our behalf so that we would not have to fall into the judgment of sin, which leads to death. Paul wrote this to Timothy and said in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5-6, to he said, There is one God, and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave His life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message that God gave to the world when at just the right time, because God is sovereign and He knows the perfect time, He knows the right time to bring and to answer and to move in His sovereignty when He needs to. But Jesus Christ is the mediator that was placed in the middle of our sin between us and God. The author of Hebrews wrote these words, Hebrews 9, verses 13 to 15. He said, Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our conscience from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That's why He is the one who what mediates a new covenant between God and, and His people. 
so that all who are called can receive the eternal inheritance God has promised them. For Christ died to set them free from the penalty of sins that they had committed under the first covenant. And then Paul wrote this in his letter to the church of Rome, Romans chapter 8, verse 34. He said, Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us, was raised to life for us, and He is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. Listen to this. Pleading for us. Some translations say interceding for us. In other words, mediating between us and God for us. Constantly pleading for our life. He is our mediator. So what can we take away from from this? What can we take away from all of this about God's sovereignty and and where does prayer play uh, play a part in God's sovereignty and His plan and His purposes and all of that coming to pass and God willing things to happen? God has sovereignly placed us in certain situations precisely for the express purpose of praying His promises and releasing His mercy. Let me say that again. God has sovereignly placed us in certain situations precisely for the express purpose of praying His promises and releasing His mercy in people's life. See, first and foremost, this is in regards to salvation. I want to go back to 1 Timothy real quick, chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. I want us to see what Paul wrote here in regards to, uh, to prayer and being a mediator. 1 Timothy 2, 1. I urge you, first of all, to pray for who? For all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way, he says, also for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peacefully and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. In other words, rather than talking about leadership, rather than complaining about leadership, pray for leadership. Pray for leadership. Mediate for them. Intercede on their behalf. Stand in the gap for who? For them and for the place that they are in. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave His life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Again, we pray for everyone. We stand in the gap and we pray and we intercede for everyone we know that does not know Christ, that is not in relationship with Christ. We pray for them to come to know Christ and to know the truth and to see Him, the one who mediated between their sins, the judgment of God on their sins, so that they can have righteousness in their life. So one of the primary reasons that God saved you was to pray for others and to intercede on behalf of their salvation. We have to live every day. Catch this. We have to live every day understanding that God is always at work around us and that we do not end up in relationship with someone on accident. God puts us in relationship with people on purpose so that we can have the opportunity 
to mediate on their behalf and pray and intercede for them, for situations in their life. First and foremost for their salvation if they don't know Christ. And then for whatever else they may be facing that they need someone to intercede with. Because see, in every situation and everything that we face, we are divinely appointed. We are in divinely appointed opportunities to call out for God's promises. Everything that we get put in, look at it as a divine opportunity to call out for God's promises to begin to come to pass in that situation. Every problem we perceive is an opportunity to proclaim God's promises and release His power. Everything, every opportunity we're in, it's an opportunity to proclaim God's promises and release God's power. Pastor David Platt, he made this statement. He said, yes, God is in control of all things, but at the same time, our prayers are meaningful. Prayer is the God-ordained means by which He accomplishes His plan. (laughs) The God-ordained means by which He accomplishes His plans. Let's not miss the opportunities we have to bring life that God has promised through the prayers that we pray. Aaron ran out amongst the people as this plague was going over them and he stood between them with his incense representing a prayer and a mediation over these people and he stood between those who were dead and those who were living. I mean, it's obvious there's a plague of sin that is all across our world. And where we live, we have the opportunity. You have the opportunity to pray and stand between the living and the death of sin for people through your prayers. So what what do you need to stand between today with prayers towards a powerful God? What, who, what, what person do you need to stand in between and pray today for them to know Christ and to understand His truth? What person has God put you, has God put in your life so that you can pray for them? What situation has, have you found yourself in that you can pray for, for and pray the promises of God, pray the purposes of God and see His power released in your life or someone else? I want to encourage you as we close today with a time of worship to just spend some time reflecting about God and what He's done in your life, about the relationships that He's placed in your life, about what you're facing now and just saying, God, how can I participate in your plan unfolding through my prayers? Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the goodness of who you are, that everything that is laid out in this life, God, it is you have you are we are a part of that unfolding plan you're a god that doesn't change you who you are doesn't change your purposes don't change your your promises don't change and we thank you that we have a promise that we know won't change that that says we have eternity with you to look forward to so we thank you that we can hold on to that promise and we thank you today that we get to participate in your purposes and your plan unfolding through the prayers that we pray in our life. Help us to see today who you have put in our life to pray for. Help us to see today 
the purposes, the promises, and your power that we can pray and release today in situations in our life and in others. So we thank you for it, God. We love you. We give you praise. And we just spend this time now in worship, reflecting on your goodness and who you are and what you're calling us to. Amen. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find a link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.